Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for joining us for another episode. As always, we would like to thank Adrian Sanabria for the intro music of the Chaos Plan, and the in-game music was brought to you by TabletopAudio.com. If you have any questions about what we're doing and how we come up with the rules, maps, places, anything like that, check out our website, www.TheAdventuringGuild.com, and click on the Chaos Plan tab up at the top. This will also give rules on character creation and how you can join the show. To join, just visit our Patreon page and donate $1 a month to get in on these games. The more people we have, the more games we can run because schedules will line up better. And by joining, you are guaranteed a spot in this campaign. We will be running lots of different groups through, hopefully very soon, and since we're keeping it on an active timeline, we should be able to keep everybody managed as far as who is playing where and when. If you are unable to join but enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review as that is how we will be able to get in front of more people and have more wonderful, talented people join the show. And please feel free to share any of our posts on your social media of choice. We are on Facebook and Twitter. For both of those, just search for The Adventuring Guild and we'll pop up one way or another. So thank you very much and we hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of The Chaos Plan where the odds may not always be in your favor. This is going to be a little bit of a break from the normal as we build some lore within the world. The lore that we will be addressing this time is about the constellations. Uh, All of the constellations in the world are named after some famous hero, though the names are lost to time. Uh, Who and what they were and the famous deeds that made up their lives are not lost and are in fact well-known stories, though the details have been changed with time. So Braden is joining me today, and we will be taking on the legend of the Aetheral Rogue, a creature belonging neither to life or death. This Aetheral uh, became the most well-known shadow broker in the Shadows Guild. They held enough sway to affect kingdoms. The secrets they knew could and have saved hundreds of lives. While most brokers charge extortionate prices for knowledge, this one would give away life-saving knowledge to those who would use it for good. Uh, well, those who take this star sign are born in the month of Evernight between the 1st and the 15th, and they gain proficiency in either stealth or sleight of hand, uh, simply for being born underneath this star sign. So that is as much detail as I gave Brayden. I let him flesh out a level 20 rogue, and I will let him uh, talk a little bit about the rogue that he created, why he chose what he did, and we will go ahead and get started within the Sunken Isle. Yes, well, hello everyone. It is Brayden, as Bob said previously a number of times. I am going to be playing the Broker, the new rogue, and I went with a subclass that I feel doesn't get that much love within the community, but is perfect for this type of character, someone who needs to gather information for their, to, yeah, pretty much to make a living. Uh, I went with the Inquisitive Rogue, 
So I've got a number of different options I can use to help me gather information. I think I can't roll below a 24 insight, which is going to be great. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, and I am, yeah, I've got a number of abilities that are going to make it very difficult for people to lie to me and sort of evade my gaze. All the while, I'll be spying on them, uh, taking different forms to appear as a different person while I'm doing recon on different targets that I'm after. All right. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the magic item that you have, the legendary one that uh, you have a tie to? Oh, yes, of course. So the Aetheral all have, well, they've said to have a spirit that they're tied to, their mother whoever gave birth to them was uh, possessed or had a spirit inhabiting their body during pregnancy. So that ghostly sort of energy, you could say, is sort of bled into the baby as it is uh, birth. And with this, most of them always, nearly always, have a spirit that is still either lingering around them, following them, or maybe somewhere off in the world, but we've decided that the spirit itself that was inhabiting my mother has taken into a skull and is now the spirit of intellect, which gives me a number of awesome little options. Bob, it can fly around on its own, can it? Or... Yeah, yeah, it can fly around on its own, kind of like a familiar, but without any kind of physical abilities. Yeah, so i got this beautiful little skull flying around my ghost dad, essentially. <laughs> and uh, it gives me a number of just awesome abilities to uh, cast different spells and copy spells that I see up to six levels. I can gain advantage on different intelligence-based checks, and I can also activate some wild surges if I fail pretty dramatically or succeed pretty dramatically. All right, and what is his name? Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> That is fantastic. I love the crazy names you come up for between uh, Cornelius Schmackaroo and others. <laughs> All right, we will go ahead then and get started. So you are within the Sunken Isles, and uh, as a shadow broker, you regularly go out to verify some of the strange information and uh, other discoveries that have been brought to you. Uh, the city that you are within is the main city and the capital of the Sunken Isles called Undriel. And uh, it is very much stolen from Bioshock, uh, underground giant bubble type city where uh, terrestrial type creatures are able to inhabit uh, underneath the water, though uh, Aquian races are much more common. This very large city is divided up into several domes. And uh, the dome that you will be visiting is actually the medical dome. It is where many of the clerics take up their um, residence, where healers go, where large herb gardens containing all sorts of strange plants, uh, many can only be grown within the Sunken Isles due to its aquatic environment. It is a very peaceful place compared to much of the rest of the city, much quieter. So infiltrating this area isn't as easy as one would expect. It's harder to blend in with the crowd when there isn't much of a crowd. But you are in this area because you have discovered that there could possibly be some human 
quote-unquote, human experimentation. There have been a number of homeless people and uh, those that are too poor or too weak or too sick in order to take care of themselves or those that have lost hope that have all started disappearing around the city. Uh, You have also heard rumor that a very large influx of money has come into uh, the Pavilion Group. The Pavilion Group is a medical organization that uses as much uh, science as they do magic. This would be thousands of years ago, before the shift originally happened and magic disappeared. Um, This would be kind of when magic was getting to be at its height, but there were other non-magical means of healing. And uh, the Pavilion Group is one such organization that received a very large influx of money right about the time that all of these homeless people and uh, weak people started to disappear. Uh, You know that the facility is a sprawling underground complex uh, underneath the ocean floor inside one of these bubbles. Uh, It does have a second floor, but most of it is underground. You would also know that there have been strange rumblings of people that have quote-unquote escaped uh, or rumored to have escaped Uh, don't have any memory of their time there, but all quickly die within a month or two of strange and very circumstantial uh, ways. Either accidents happen or they contract some sort of disease or some magical anomaly happens in their vicinity. All sorts of strange things happen, and all who enter here for treatment seem to have died. So you uh, know that this area exists and that you have to confirm the information that this is happening. So how would you like to approach this? I can answer any questions you have about the area as you would have a pretty good understanding having done a lot of research about it. Mm. Where would this pavilion group be located, their sort of entrance to the headquarters? Yeah, the entrance to their clinic would be, as you would expect uh, any clinic to be, it would be right up front uh, on the, we'll call it the northern edge of the medical bubble, um, the medical district type area. So it would be um, a very public location that uh, is kind of an L-shaped building, but it you know for a fact that much of it is underground, and there is a small second floor, um, but not a very big one. But the second floor, nobody really goes into. You would assume it would be mostly um, offices or something along those lines, and you have no idea what happens underground. Hmm. Would there be a secret entrance of some sort that I would gain knowledge of? Yeah, go ahead and roll me uh, an intelligence or a perception check, depending on how you want to tackle this. Oh, I'm definitely going to choose perception. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably just stake out the uh, sort of clinic for a number of days and look at it from different perspectives uh, sort of traveling around to different locations to just take an eye on this clinic just to uh, see any movements going in and out of different locations. Yep. Uh, for each day, I will reduce the DC by one, but I will need a stealth check for each day past the first that you stake it out. So how many days okay. would you like to wait? Uh, I'm pretty confident I will wait three days. All right, go ahead and give me uh, two stealth checks then and a perception check uh, at the end of the third. 
Alright, my two stealth checks are 29 and 27, and my perception check is... <laughs> Not even going to roll uh, against that. 24. Okay, yeah, you are easily... Not easily, but you are, with some confidence, able to tell that it does not appear that the second floor windows appear to be locked at all. Um, you see that there's... Uh, since this is a very humid uh, area, I mean, being underwater, basically... Um, the, even within the bubbles, it's very humid, and so it. a lot of people open up windows and stuff like that in order to um, get a little bit of an artificial breeze going through. Um, you would also see that they do have a small back entrance that appears to be mostly for, like, taking out, uh, you know, the cadavers and, you know, those that don't make it. Uh, they appear to have a small access door because you don't want to walk those people through the waiting room. You know, of the people that you're waiting to see. Hmm. I would. Do, would I know who would be in charge of the? They sub- publicly name themselves as the sort of main practicing uh, medical person. Yeah, his name would be Ellisand, and you would know him to be a quote-unquote human. Um, his race is kind of indeterminate because nobody can put an age to him. But he has been human for as long as the Sunken Isles have been around, and a doctor for as far back as you can find as well, uh, a couple hundred years at least. Would I know of any family or relation? No, he is a complete mystery other than the name and the fact that he is a, the main doctor, researcher, funder of this locale. Believing that this is probably some either maybe a fake name or a alias of some sort, I'll probably try and see if I can uh, scry on them, having not much knowledge and only a name to go off. It's going to be pretty hard, but I will use my crystal ball to cast scrying. I'll get up the extra details to sort of decipher what the DC is going to be for this. Alright. I believe uh, if Ellisand is a real person, then he will have a large bonus against this uh, scry. Okay. So it's definitely second-hand knowledge, so he has a plus five to his save off the bat, and yeah, that's it. He just gets a plus five to his save throw along with whatever else he Alright. And that'll probably pass. That was a 15 plus 5 for 20. Yes, that passed. Alright. Alright. And while you were also trying to cast that spell, uh, would you try it multiple times if it failed the first time? Uh, I'd just be holding it in my hand, sort of underneath my trying to stare into it, but as it, as it doesn't work, I can't use it again on that person for 24 Okay. Uh, Okay, yeah, then uh, as you try to cast it, you feel almost as if you're trying to pierce a thick veil of fog, Um, and and while you could kind of make out the general idea of Alisand and can kind of get an impression of uh, him within the building, that is all the more that you are able to determine, is that he is within the building, which isn't a secret since he's always there. Awesome. Well... Those two, or the doors at the back, uh, you said that people were coming and going from there every now and then? Yeah, occasionally somebody would bring out a, uh, 
I don't want to say a bag of rubbish, but you know, uh, you know, would take out trash and that kind of stuff out through that way, or uh, would cart a body out that way, or uh, in this case, I guess it would be jars of ash uh, would go out that way, and uh, somebody would receive it and then take it to what you can only presume to be loved ones or something along those lines. Okay. I will probably stake out those doors, uh, waiting behind some trash or something. I'll use my hat of guys to look like a disheveled homeless person. Okay. As uh, And what time of day would you do that? Would you stake it out for a full day, or would you, like, just appear that way at night, or what would you do? Yeah, I'd stay there and t- from, like, a morning to potentially for 24 hours, just waiting for anyone to leave that door. Okay. Um... You do notice, uh, we'll call it in the early afternoon, uh, what would equate to about three in the afternoon, you know, two or three in the afternoon, uh, you do see somebody step out uh, of that uh, back entrance there, carrying a, uh, a crate of what you can only imagine are empty jars or something along those lines, glass something uh, from the clinking and uh, begin to carry it to a small cart uh, that has pulled up uh, right near there. And they put the crate on that cart and uh, would turn and head back into the building. All right. Uh, As they're turning back towards the building, can I quickly dart in front of them? Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, Are you going to try to, uh, like, stop them, or are you going to try and do some sort of maneuver against them? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get out right in front of them. Okay, yeah, you jump right out in front of them without a problem. And looking like a crazy homeless person, I'm going to say, uh, Give me your wallet, or I'll give you a shank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you notice that the person that you have stopped uh, appears to be an elf. Um, we're just going to go ahead and say an Aquian elf to stay with uh, uh, the theme here. So, uh, a kind of a bluer-skinned elf uh, with, rather than pointed ears, kind of has almost like uh, fins or whatever, where their ears would be. Um, Not like functional fins, but, you know, kind of has that same general design to them. Uh, And he appears to be a fairly fit individual, and he would kind of put his hand, you know, up or whatever to kind of put it in front of you and say, Hey, back off. I need to get back in. You know, just doing a job here. I haven't got any money on me. Just go. I'm going to charge him, try and grab his hair and take a lock of hair off (laughs) and run away. (laughs) Okay, go ahead and make a sleight of hand check to uh, take a chunk of that hair and, you know, get a good enough hold on it. My worst check ever. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Eleven. Eleven. So as you go to reach for his hair, uh, you grab a big old handful of it. But he is able to, working in a medical clinic and dealing with unruly patients sometimes, uh, he is able to put an elbow right in one of your joints and you reflexively pull back, but without able, you know, but aren't able to maintain a good enough grip on his hair to get any. Uh, he then shoves you to the ground or tries to shove you back as he uh, uh, runs into the back door of the building. Go ahead and uh, we'll do a strength contest to see if you resist being pushed. That was only a 15. What was that? Oh. Uh, 17. 17, all right. 17 beats his 15. Uh, so you are able to resist that, um, but he does, you know, kind of push off of you a little bit, uh, but he is not able to exit your range. Uh, if you want to make, like, an attack of opportunity or something, you can, uh, or you can just try to 
you know, make another go at it, what would you like to do? Hmm. I would like to... Yeah, I'll, would I be able to take a swipe at his clothes? Just to try and cut, like, a few ribbons or something like that? Yeah, go ahead and uh, make another sleight of hand check. Okay. Come on, oh, natural one. Oh no, as you go to uh, pull your dagger free to cut off a little bit of his clothes, your hand is uh, still kind of cramped from where he pushed your hand back, uh, is not able to even get the dagger out in time. You kind of sl- stumble around with it, and he is able to make it to the back door, but since it has locked, he is currently fishing a key out of his pocket. Uh, but he is now about ten feet away from you as you're fumbling with your knife. What would you like to do? We'll go ahead and roll initiative. If you want to roll initiative, if you want to pursue him, otherwise, if you want to try something else, we can. So sure, yeah, I'll roll initiative. All right. Oh, that was only an eleven. Well, he's got better than my eight. <laughs> okay. So he, somehow this is a level twenty. <laughs> yeah. So he fishes a key out of his pocket and he turns it in the lock and is able to open the door but is not able to get inside. We then move on to you. The back door of the place is open. All right. I am just going to... I have no worry about being able to get in the back door. I just want something of his. So I'm just going to... You know what? Can I... Would I be able to try and stab him with my rapier? Oh, my gosh, yeah. On On my dagger save, but not... Like, just across the hand, so I don't, like, uh, wound him so greatly that he is to die. Yeah, it's like, in this case, a natural one will mean it goes through the eye. (laughs) Go ahead and make this non-lethal cut against him. Okay. Oh, natural 20. (laughs) Oh, damn. Okay, yeah, you are so expertly able to swish a blade out and across him that uh, he doesn't even realize it's there like a paper cut. He's like, whoa, what the hell? As he uh, runs in and slams the door behind you, you notice that there are three drops of blood uh, perfectly balanced on the tip of the blade. Perfect. I will just take out a piece of parchment or something along those lines and and then fold it up, put it in my pocket. Fantastic. You are very easily able to do that as you hear a very loud and resounding click of a lock being thrown on the other side. Perfect. I will use the hat of disguise to change into a uh, uh, shorter, probably five foot two, uh, older female. Okay. Uh, I will just sort of make my way to a quiet corner or somewhere, and having disguised myself as an elderly lady, I will just sort of slowly waddle my way. Okay, and you're going uh, uh, away from the building to kind of reconvene, or are you going to go around front, or where would you be heading? Yeah, I'll, I'll go away from the building now, and I'm going to wait about before I do anything. I'm just going to sort of look like an old lady and take the part of it just within town. Okay, yeah, you're able to very easily do that, and uh, you are not really messed with at all. Uh, nobody really has any reason to suspect you, so I won't roll any checks against that. So uh, the hour passes, or however long you want to pass. Uh, what would you like to do from here? All right, so assuming that that uh, person who I sliced the hand of 
has gone and now is within the building doing his or their chores. I'm not sure if it's a female or male. Uh, I am going to take out my scrying orb or find somewhere quiet and desolate. I'll put Moriarty down on the ground in front of me and still as an old female, I'll speak in my real voice uh, and say, uh, hopefully this gets us inside, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. And you're speaking that to the skull? Yeah. Uh, The skull uh, replies back, so, sounds good, boss. I say we, we very quickly run that spell, and then we'll be able to get in and get out without being caught, hopefully. Jolly good. <laughs> Scrying the eye, uh, holding the parchment, undoing it, and then just uh, grasping the oh, the parchment with the blood drops on it, hoping to get some advantage, uh, which I believe I have met the target, so they get a, they don't get any bonus on the saving throw. But I am using. Uh, there's. It has a sort of save modifier changer. Yeah, I see that. He would have minus 10 for it. Perfect. Cool. All right. <laughs> and you would be doing this uh, while they're still in the building, or would you wait kind of for end day and do it once they leave? Uh, I'd, I'd definitely do it while. Oh, right. It's late afternoon. Okay. I'd, I'd want. I'd want to sort of do it to where I think that person would go in and continue working and has gone sort of deeper into the facility so I can get a sort of scry over them. Okay, yeah. Um, You are able to very easily, uh, that negative 10 didn't help that 14, um, you are very easily able to see them within the building. And though it has kind of a strange buzz around it, like a fog Uh, almost as if the building itself possesses some sort of protection, Uh, it is not enough to uh, throw off your scrying spell. So you are able to see that this individual is currently, uh, looks like they are uh, some sort of orderly or uh, gopher kind of a person running around getting supplies and that kind of stuff. So you can see them running uh, back and forth to different closets and storage units and pulling out vials and bottles Uh, of different strange things. And uh, how long would you uh, watch them for? It says uh, the duration is 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes, I believe, yeah. Okay, so would you watch them for the full 10 minutes? Yes, I think uh, the broker has developed a very uh, strong patience for these sorts of things and knowing that this will just take time. 10 minutes is nothing He'll uh, take his full time gathering all the information he can. All right, go ahead then and roll for me a percentile die. Uh, 97. Oh, wow. I only set the DC to 75. Okay, so uh, you are able to see as uh, you're getting to about the seventh minute of watching, uh, the same orderly uh, all of a sudden like puts a hand to his head kind of like what you would assume some sort of telepathic message. And you see he kind of shakes his head and rubs his temple almost as if he has a little bit of a headache. And he walks to a closet that you've seen him go into before, grabbing vials and potions and things. And uh, he pulls out of his pocket a strange-looking talisman is the only thing I can think of for it. A a gem or a stone that has a sigil uh, upon it. And he presses it to one of the cabinets in the back and is the cabinet opens and unlocks, and you see that he grabs out 
a strange-looking circulate. Uh, definitely a magic item of some variety. And uh, he begins carrying it into one of the operating rooms, I want to say. Uh, not, you know, necessarily a full science, you know, modern world operating room. But uh, one that definitely has potions and all sorts of strange herbs and devices around it. And you see your target, Elisand, but when you you assume it's your target... Because when you look at through the vision, Elisand is completely blurred. Um, think modern-day pixelation almost, um, but more magical in nature. And um, you see that there is a person lying on a table right in front of Elisand. And you see Elisand take this magic circulate and begin to place it down on this obviously unconscious individual and begin reciting some sort of spell. At that moment, the connection snaps... Uh, you believe the duration was 10 minutes or pretty darn close, so you're not sure if the magic in the room ended the spell or if your spell just naturally ended um, due to the duration of it. Okay. Hmm. Could I gather what they were attempting to do? Have I learned anything about these bodies? I've just learned that they're sort of, when they do exit, they die a month after by the unfortunate circumstances, right? Yeah, the very few that do make it out do die fairly quickly. Um, but they are never really themselves again. And the people that were picked up are on the fringes of society enough that you wouldn't have, you know, a ton of close friends that could say their behavior totally changed. But they would be people that, you know, may have been homeless or whatever, but completely harmless out of the eye of society that when they are found as survivors um, is because they have done something either very evil like uh, randomly attacked somebody or they have exhibited some sort of strange magical ability uh, or something along those lines. They gain notoriety and that is how they are found to be survivors um, as opposed to people knowing that they disappeared in the first place. So go ahead and roll me both an arcana check and a medicine check. Two of my worst <laughs> <laughs> Can I spend a short rest with Moriarty to try and gain advantage on this next uh, intelligence arcana check? Yeah, you would definitely gain advantage for it. Moriarty, tell me all about magic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, the... Oh, man, the arcana check's like a 11, even with advantage. And the medicine check is a 15... Okay. Uh, you would know just enough, and with the help of Moriarty, um, he would say, because uh, I'm assuming you would do kind of both checks in his presence and kind of converse with him while doing it, bouncing ideas off of him and stuff? Yeah. Okay, he would say, well, to answer your first question, uh, there's a very good chance that some of these magic items that he is in possession of are not necessarily functional magic items. God, why am I switching accents? Um, are, <laughs> are definitely not uh, normal magic items. Uh, many of the things that he is messing with, because uh, you kind of, I'm assuming, describe the circulate, uh, appear to be failed artifice-type items. I would assume that most of them would not be functioning as they normally would be. Uh, and with your medicine check, uh, he would say... 
my only assumption is that he may be using some of these items, either uh, the people as test subjects for these failed crafted items, or trying to possibly pass enchantments from items onto people. Uh, I couldn't be 100% sure without seeing it myself. Terrible. Truly terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I will hmm, just ponder that for a moment. Are there any laws prohibiting sort of this sort of experimentation within the Sunken Isles and Andriel? Uh, not specifically. Uh, the Sunken Isles would be kind of where people go to disappear a little bit, um, but usually they would be the more magically inclined individuals, uh, while the Fire Island has Beggar's Hole and is more of a, uh, under the dictatorship where more evil people go. Uh, those that want to kind of study magic in the most pure sense without restriction of laws or ethics would come to the Sunken Isles to do that. So while there aren't explicit laws against it, it's at least frowned upon um, and if it's discovered, it's kind of, you know, the most powerful mages are all within that area. So if it's discovered they could possibly be taken out by a competing mage who finds it offensive. Um, but there wouldn't be, like, a temple of justice to take them. Okay. I am going to... I will just spend the rest of the evening. Uh, Do I know where a lot of these sort of homeless people and delinquents that are getting dragged into this building... Uh, sort of hang out? Is there like an area that is sort of prominent for their kind? With the Sunken Isles being the way that it is, um, kind of that big bubble type city, uh, most of them would take, kind of would build their homes or not build their homes, but would kind of uh, sleep and retire in one of the more residential areas where many of the other folks would live, but they would spend their days within the market districts or if they are more martially inclined they would uh, spend some of their time in kind of where a, a central job board would be, you know, looking to get hired as thugs. Uh, so it can just kind of depends on when you want to catch them. Uh, and you would know that a lot of the people that disappeared were, you know, sick or ill, and they sought out the clinics in order to become healthy again, but were just not heard from again after that. Can I stake out the building and wait for Alessandra? Ellison to uh, wait is Ellison the oh he's the sorry can I stake the building out and wait for the orderly that I sliced to exit yeah uh, you are able to and during the same day uh, you would wait until mid evening somewhere between seven and eight p.m. you're guessing roughly and uh, the orderly would exit just as you see another orderly a few minutes earlier entered the building. The one that you sliced would come out a few minutes after that. I will just sort of stealthily follow them to wherever they're going. Okay, you follow them for a little ways, and you can tell that they're going to one of the residential districts, which would be, I think I set it up in a, I don't have a map of the town, but I think in my drawings I set it up in a uh, five-bubble type deal. There's a big central bubble, and then one bubble... um, a different district on each of the cardinal points. So we'll say that the west bubble is the medical district, and he would be going to the south bubble, 
So just kind of right 90 degree turn when it gets into the main area uh, to the residential district. And uh, you can see that he's approaching one of the very large uh, apartment type complexes. All right. I will just use the hat of disguise to appear like a mm, sort of younger, maybe 20 year old man, I'll say. Okay. And, and then just try and sort of follow in behind him, looking like I've live within the area. Okay, yeah, you're very easily able to take up that disguise, and uh, how close are you going to follow him? I'll sort of move at my own pace, and even if he slows down and I walk past him, that's fine. I'll just sort of, like, get to the building. Okay. Uh, After about another five minutes or so of walking, he kind of navigates some of the uh, alleyways and stuff that go between the apartments rather than going around the blocks, and, uh, you see that he's approaching uh, one very large apartment building. Uh, this one we're going to say is five stories high and uh, seems to contain anywhere between 25 and 35 um, rooms in it, roughly, by counting windows and stuff. So uh, you see that he's approaching the front doors of it. And uh, are you going to let him enter and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'll let him enter first and then... Okay. He would enter into the building and begin climbing the stairs. Uh, He would climb all the way up to the third floor. And uh, as he comes out into the third floor, he takes a left and begins heading down a hallway with, well, let's see, I said 25 to 30, so let me roll a D4. With three rooms uh, on that hallway. And he appears to be heading to the uh, furthest one down at the end of the hall. All right. I'll just sort of wait for him to enter and just sort of sit on the stairwell, pondering my thoughts. Okay. You sit on the stairwell. He uh, fumbles for a key, kind of looking around a little bit, but nothing too major. So go ahead and roll me a stealth check, but he's going to have disadvantage to spot you since he's not really looking for trouble. Uh, 36. (laughs) Jesus. I rolled an 11 plus modifiers. Uh, So uh, he doesn't notice you sitting there on the the stairs just kind of waiting. And he enters into the apartment and you hear the door shut and the faint click of a lock on the other side. All right. Perfect. I'll say to Moriarty, uh, are you keen for a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Interrogation. (laughs) Uh, Sounds good to me, boss. Go ahead. I'll let you bruise him up and I'll do the talking. <laughs> and he cackles a little bit, which is funny because he's just a skull. <laughs> I'd laugh to myself and <laughs> just sort of get up off the stairs and walk down softly towards the room that he is uh, situated in. Okay, yeah, you're very easily able to get down there without a problem. The halls are completely deserted. All right. As I get close to the door, I'm just going to... Uh, sort of close my eyes and focus for a minute. As I open them, my eyes sort of glaze over white and my body slowly begins turning into little wisps of smoke and I'm going to use a gaseous form, which uh, is from my race. The Aetheral lets me turn into a gaseous cloud once per long rest. Fantastic, yes. You are very easily able to, I'm assuming, slip through one of the the cracks in the door or something? Yes, perfect. All right, and uh, Moriarty... uh, takes the form with you, and uh, you are both able to very easily slip underneath the door, uh, being enough of a gap, 
And uh, are you going to kind of inspect the inside before you return to a solid form? Yeah, definitely. I'll take a look around. It would be a bit weird seeing a sort of floating, uh, floating cloud of mist, but I'll just sort of make myself known even just like out in the open. Okay, yeah. As you enter, uh, your senses are a little bit different being in the gaseous form, uh, trying to see and everything uh, with a normal perspective. But as you kind of look around, you see that this apartment is a very small apartment, appears to be uh, three total rooms. You entered into kind of a main living type room that is uh, fairly small uh, and a little bit narrower. And then off of uh, the two sides, there is one room that appears to be a uh, bedroom of sorts. uh, And you see a person in there that appears to be uh, kind of sitting on the bed, uh, taking shoes off, you know, dropping off, you know, the equipment, that kind of stuff uh, on a dresser. uh, His back turned to the uh, living room that you are in. And then you see kind of a small kitcheny type area. And by uh, that, I mean rather than like a stove and all of those kind of modern conveniences, uh, it just appears to have uh, kind of long counters or whatever. Uh, There appears to be some cookware and stuff uh, stacked there. Uh, There would not be indoor plumbing or anything like that, um, though you do know that there are uh, kind of shoot-style multi-story kind of bathrooms of sorts uh, in the hallways that are common. But uh, you do see kind of a small kitcheny type area, uh, obviously using the hearth uh, within the living room as a uh, way of cooking. Does there appear to be any sort of toys or anything? This man doesn't have any children or family? No, he appears to be uh, living on his own here. Um, uh, You don't even really see that much to indicate that he's been here a long time. You would know, you know, the longer somebody lives there, the more crap they accumulate. Uh, this would be a fairly sparse apartment as well. Like, he hasn't been here for more than a year or two. Perfect. Uh, is there a chair in the main living area? Yeah, yeah, you would see a couple of rough chairs, uh, definitely second, if not third hand, uh, judging by the wear marks on them and the scratches and that kind of stuff. Okay, I'll rematerialize on one of those chairs, sort of facing away from him with my legs crossed and hands up on the rests. <laughs> okay. Uh, waiting for him to spot you? Yeah, just sort of sit there. All right. Uh, he turns around, uh, coming out of the room, just nonchalantly, sees you, stops, and lets out a shriek uh, in alarm, recognizing you. Or no, wait, uh, you're in a different disguise, or are you back in your original form? Uh, I'd say I'd look, yeah, I'd be back in my actual, oh, no, I'd never, I'd never be myself. I, I believe I'll change into... I'll just keep the the teenager that I previously said. Okay. Uh, He looks at you and says, Who the hell are you? And he kind of jumps back into the room and begins rifling on top of a a dresser. Uh, You're assuming looking for a knife or something like that. He shouts, What are you doing in here? You need to get out of here. I just sort of turn my head around to him and be like, Oh, good. You're finally home. Good to see you. (laughs) How's your hand feeling? He squints his eyes down at you and looks at his hand, which you can tell there's some sort of bandage on. Um, Even though it wasn't really bleeding, he covered it at least. Uh, And uh, he finishes finding that knife, and he's kind of shakingly pointing it at you. You can tell he doesn't have the right grip, so he's not super experienced with it. Um, He says, Who are you? You need to get out of here. My hand is fine. How do you know about that? Were you watching? Did you pay him to do that? 
I just sort of turned my head back around towards the hearth and then just like motion over towards him with my hand, not even looking at him anymore and just say, uh, come, come, take a sheet. We have a lot to speak about. All right, go ahead and roll a perception check with that. Or persuasion, excuse me, persuasion. Persuasion. Ah, uh, uh, 14. 14. He's wary of you, but um, you can see that he's, you know, kind of not, there's nothing he can do about it. You're between him and the door uh, to get out of here. So he kind of really wearily kind of comes over to the corner of the room um, so that he can look at you face on, um, but he does not sit next to you. Uh, holds. He's still holding the knife out in front of him, but now kind of in a two-hand grip, uh, still shaking, and says, "What? What do you want from me?" Uh, he'd, he'd see Moriarty sitting on my lap, just <laughs> this skull in my lap. He goes uh, very pale. I'd, I'd say, uh, "I'm very intrigued in the work you're doing in your uh, the facility there with the Pavilion Group. Would you mind just sharing some details with me? I have a few questions." If, if it'll get you out, then then fine. What do you want to know? I mean, I just want to know what exactly it is you're doing in there. We're a clinic. What do you think we're doing? And you, you can see, you know, since you're not really making any threatening gestures, he seems to be getting a bit of confidence um, back, but he's still very wary of you. I sort of put my hand out towards him, and this, like, spectral, skeletal hand, like, begins moving over towards his face okay. as I, I'll cast Mage Hand and it kind of just like brushes the piece of hair away from his eyes there and yeah. then I'll just sort of dissipate it next to his head and say uh, please just think think very carefully for me okay what what exactly are you doing in there he looks very I guess cowed at that and very frightful Go ahead and roll a... Uh, is, was that an intimidating type thing, or would that be persuasion, do you think? Yeah, I'd say that'd probably be intimidating. All right, go ahead. You have advantage on that roll. Thank God for that. Yeah, I'm not very good. Ten. <laughs> Ten is still higher than the eight I rolled, so uh, he is very much intimidated by this. And he's like, okay, fine, but it doesn't leave this room, okay? I Just don't tell him I told you. We're... Trying to make magic items that that meld with the person. I, I don't know the details, but but sometimes you know people go out and strange magical things happen to them, or they just like disappear, or they get sick. Um, we're 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 trying to figure out how to stop that so that you don't have to have magic. You can make magic on a person, but I don't know the details of how it works. I just. I'm, I've, I've got a personal... I, I'm, I'm personable. You know, people trust me. So I'm the one that just, you know, makes sure the patients are calm. But I don't I do not do anything else. I don't actually hurt anybody. I, I'm just an orderly. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not the one in charge here. Interesting. And are you aware that a bunch of people have been uh, turning up dead? Well, yeah, but I, I, I don't have anything to do with that. That's that's Elisan. That's not me. I'm not hurting anybody with this. Huh. Interesting. I think tomorrow you're going to be sick. Yes. Uh, uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. No. I'll 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 be I'll be sick. I won't leave. I think yes. That's good. That's for the best. Stay here. Just. I'll I'll tell them that you're sick. Don't worry. Uh, okay. Just. 
you know, don't don't come back here. You promise? And he, and he kind of shakes his knife at you, and you can tell that his palms are sweaty enough that he almost drops it when he shakes it. Oh, please. I won't come back here if you don't say anything. But if something's said, oh, I'll have to come back and visit. Oh, okay. I, I, get, I, get the, I get the message. I kind of stand up off the chair and say, uh, <laughs> hold the skull out and say, Say goodbye, Moriarty. <laughs> goodbye, chap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then I'll just go over to the door, unlock it, and then walk out. Okay, you uh, lock out, and you see the, the knife drop from his limp fingers, uh, and he just kind of curl, you know, he just kind of sits down with his knees pulled clear up to his chest in the corner of the room as the door shuts behind you. <laughs> Perfect. Alright, I'm just going to... I assume I have some... Oh, I'm with the Shadows Guild, correct? So yes. I'll just make my way to a safe house where I can rest for the evening before the morning comes. Alright, you are very easily able to rest. Uh, the local safe house treats you very well, having a bit of a celebrity uh, within the safe house, and uh, you are able to get up the next morning without any problems. Alright. As I awaken... I immediately am going to attempt to scry upon Elisand. Alright, go ahead and uh, I'll roll again. Nope, that definitely beats it. Uh, 16 plus uh, 5, I think you said originally. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he's, he evades it. Okay, and you even notice, like I said, once again, you kind of get a picture of him in your head a little bit, but it's so fuzzy that uh, you're not able to get any distinctive anything out of it. Uh, I will wake up and sort of... Do I, Having staked that place out for a number of days, do I know what time the orderlies usually arrive there? Yeah, you would know that uh, the one orderly that I'm assuming you're going to, you know, had of disguise uh, is uh, usually arrives around 10 in the morning, between 9 and 10, roughly. Okay. Well, I would have tried to wake up fairly early and then uh, having tried to scry on Elisand fairly early to where I may be able to find him within his home. Uh, however, after not being able to do that, I would just take out some parchment or ask someone to bring me, you know, a hundred sheets of parchment set and I'm just going to write for as long as I can, just like detailing everything uh, that I was told by the uh, elf. Okay. You are very easily able to do that. With Moriarty's help, since he's got perfect recall, you get every last detail as perfect as you can imagine it is. Alright. Uh, I will go out of the safe house. Or would I have like my own like private area within the safe house? Uh, yeah, you would have kind of your own little room. Okay. I'll just exit the room and look to a uh, underling of some kind say uh, if I don't come back by this evening I'd like you to go into the room and spread those parchment pieces out for me uh, yeah he, he looks up at you with a little bit of that celebrity you know look in his eye uh, and says yeah uh, anything to help out the, the shadow broker yes yes just take them and give them out to anyone is she yeah, not a problem we, we, we'll do that for sure uh, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait for you though, because you're going to come back. We're not worried about that at all. Nobody can stop you. Very true. 
<laughs> I turn around just sort of smiling and kind of worried, a little worried, but I'm just like, yes, I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs> Red flag. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll just sort of make my way towards the, uh, the clinic. Okay, yeah, you are uh, easily able to navigate the streets, I'm assuming taking on some sort of disguise. Uh, you are very easily able to navigate the streets and uh, going to the front or the back of the uh, clinic. I'm going to go straight through the front and I will disguise myself as the elf. Okay, you are very easily able to uh, assume that disguise and walk in the front door. Uh, they wave at you and they say, Oh, hey, uh, how's it going? Um... Uh, we're going to go ahead and say his name is... Uh, we'll go with a nickname. We'll say his name is Sid. How's it going, Sid? I just smile and put a thumbs up and then, like, put a grasp at my throat and, like, <laughs> cough a little. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, just, you know, go see Alessand. He'll he'll fix that up for you in a hurry. We can't have you sick around the patients. And uh, they just kind of wave you on. All right. Awesome. I just walked right through. Yep. All right, uh, you are able to uh, very easily, you've done enough of a stakeout to know that uh, the front patient area is, you know, just a typical waiting room, uh, and you know that there are several offices uh, within the back, um, but you're not sure how to get down in the basement necessarily. Uh, You do find the corridor that leads to that back room, uh, or that back entrance into there, uh, without much difficulty. Okay. Hmm. If you want to make a perception check as you run around, otherwise, what's your passive perception? Uh, 27 is my passive. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you're very easily able to, uh, as you're walking through, you find a suspicious closet uh, that doesn't look like it has enough room between the rooms on either side to actually contain a closet. And uh, as you go to open the door, uh, you notice that the door kind of sticks a little bit, almost as if there's some resistance there. Not necessarily that it's locked, but like it's, like it's, you know, not a typical interior door. Uh, would you continue to try to open it and get in there, or would you inspect the door? Uh, I'll use my unerring eye, and as an action I can sense magical deceptions within 30 feet of me. Uh, but not what exactly it does, but I learn the presence of illusions, shape change creatures, or magical design devices, uh determined to deceive. Okay, you can tell that this door is affected by an illusion, and if it is open the standard way, on the other side, all that will be seen is an empty closet. Um, Well, you wouldn't know that for sure, but you can tell that there's an illusion that triggers when you open the door the standard way. Um, Go ahead and roll an investigation check uh, on this door. Oh, another really (laughs) good skill for me. Uh, 30. A 30. Uh, you can tell that this door, if rather than opening it in, it can slide to the side, and then that will, the, the illusion won't trick. Okay. I will just sort of look around, making sure no one's really taking any close eye over me. Yep, you're and good. And I will open the door. I'll All slide right. the door, so. Alright, you slide the door into the wall, and as you do so, uh, you see a very large staircase going down. It does appear to be uh, well-lit, despite the fact that it is going into an underground tunnel. Uh, The light is a very sterile, magical light. Um, Not, you know, torches or anything like that, but some sort of glowing, um, luminescent fixtures on the wall. Uh, I'll say, uh, uh, bingo. 
to Moriarty and then <laughs> walk down the stairs. <laughs> you hear him say, Was his name Mo? <laughs> uh, I'll close the door behind me and then just continue walking. <laughs> okay. You continue down the hallway for quite a ways and you see that there are a large number of doors uh, to either side. Uh, there are... One, two, three, four. Four doors, um, two on each side of this hallway, as well as a uh, kind of a T-junction at the end of the hallway that goes right and left. All right. Uh, You said there were doors before this T-junction? Yeah, four doors, and then at the end of the hallway, uh, there's a wall that, you know, two hallways going down either side. I'll just slowly sort of walk my way up to the first door on the left and put my ear up to it. All right, you hear absolutely nothing. All right, I'll do that with all the doors. Okay, uh, the third door, so the uh, let's go with the second one on the left-hand side. Um, you do hear what appears, or what you think is some sort of running water or something like that. It sounds, you know, like an environmental noise as opposed to people noise. Uh, but the other three doors are quiet. Okay, just out of curiosity, I will uh, use ethereal sight to sort of gaze into the ethereal plane out to uh, range of 30 feet, just checking there's no ghosts around me or, like, spectral entities waiting to attack me. Okay, you see nothing harmful um, spectral-wise, but you can definitely tell that this place has a lot of the lingering energies of a place that is haunted. Um, You would know that, you know, lots and lots and lots of people have died here in less than great ways. Okay. And the door on the left had... uh, Sound coming out from it, uh, dripping? Yeah, like dripping or some sort of running water of some variety. Okay, I'll try and just open the door slowly. Alright, you slowly open the door and you can see that there appears to be some rudimentary uh, indoor plumbing here. Nothing too fancy uh, like what you would see today, but uh, you do see that there is a small pump uh, in there that appears to have a water basin in it, probably for washing and cleaning. Um, you believe you see lots of jars and vials uh, turned upside down on a counter. Uh, looks like they're drying. All the vials appear to be empty. I will sort of gazing my eye over it and being a bit interested, but I'll make my way back out and then go to the end of the T-junction and turn left. All right. You turn left, and you see at the end of the hall, there are two doors, one set into the right wall, one set into the left wall, clear down at the end of the hall, uh, about 15 feet. And in the opposite direction? In the opposite direction, um, you see a set of double doors. Okay. All right. I am going to then... I'll actually move towards the double doors first, uh, believing maybe that's a higher traffic or more popular area to go to since they have two doors open to it. And knowing that they take cadavers and whatnot in and out, uh, it'll be probably a better... I think that is probably more likely to be the area that I'm looking for. So I'll head towards that and sort of press my ear up against it. All right. As you press your ear up against the door... Uh, you feel all of a sudden the click of magical energy and an alarm begins to sound from down in there. Go ahead uh, and uh, no, we won't roll initiative yet. I'll say you've got a little bit of time before uh, you'll probably be swarmed. 
but you can definitely hear very quick movement on the other side, as well as a scream of somebody beyond those doors. Hmm. I'll say, uh, well, looks like we've been sprung, Moriarty. <laughs> it appears so, boss. I I suggest we get out of here in a hurry. I don't like what I'm feeling on the other side of that door. What exactly are you feeling, my friend? Something older than I am, and that is not a feeling that I like having. Uh, are you sure we shouldn't just take a peek? Well, it's up to you, boss, but uh, maybe you'll be joining me in the skull sooner than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right, all right. Point proof, point made, old friend. And then I'll turn around and then rush the other end of the hallway and just sort of... Uh, not having much time to really inspect the rooms, I'm just going to open up one of the doors. I'll take the door on the right. I, and were you going to uh, check in those double doors there, or did you just turn and bolt before you opened it? Yeah, since I heard an alarm or felt an alarm trigger, I would just step back and then immediately dart into one of the other rooms down the other side of the T-junction. Okay, and you said the one on the left? Ah, uh, the right. The right, all right. Um, <laughs> This will be funny. Uh, you open up the door to the right, and immediately a waft of heat hits you in the face. Um, you've been to the fire aisles before, and this is like leaning over one of the lava flows underneath the, or, you know, that separate in the ground. Um, you feel this heat hits you in the face, and you notice in front of you a very large furnace, and you see two bodies uh, lined up on gurney-like tables on the side, and you uh, see an individual standing here in front of the large uh, uh, fire. The crematorium is all that you can think of, where they burn the bodies. Uh, and this individual appears to be wearing robes of red, and they are looking around in confusion with the alarm. Uh, if you want to do anything, I will give you a surprise round against them. Otherwise, uh, if you want to dart, you know, slam the door and run the other way, uh, I won't have you roll initiative. I believe I'm still disguised as the orderly. Would oh, I be able yeah, to enter in, uh, look at him, and say, uh, Oh man, there's trouble outside. Please. Quickly, uh, Elisan needs you. Uh, you see that the, uh, obviously some sort of pyromancer, um, looks around at you and go ahead and roll a deception check or persuasion if you can justify that you're telling the truth. Oh, no, uh, uh 21 deception. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's much better, much higher than what he got. Uh, so he's like, oh, yes, you're right. Uh, just careful, don't get too close to the furnace. I just threw a body in there. And uh, he runs out and down the hall towards those double doors. All right, as he exits, I disguise myself as him. <laughs> okay, fantastic, yes. Uh, you are very easily able to assume that disguise. So then what would you like to do from here? The alarm has gone off. The pyromancer is uh, running down the hall to assist with the double doors. Um, uh, but other than that, you don't hear anybody else uh, kind of coming your way at the moment. What would you like to do? I'll probably just patiently sort of put my ear up against the door and wait and listen. My hope was that me assuming this disguise will sort of alert them that or make them think that he's trying to kind of get in there but I'm not sure whether that'll work or not so I'm just going to put my ear up to the uh, door and uh, try and listen in to see if they open eventually and what the interaction out there is. Okay, yeah, the double doors would have been thrown open uh, pretty much, you know, as you were ducking into that other door, but it was far enough down the hall, you don't think anybody would have noticed that, you know, last-minute ducking in. 
so you are very easily able to get back there and kind of hide. Uh, you do hear some conversation from down the hallway. Go ahead and roll me a perception check to make out the words of it. Uh, 24. All right, you with that 24 are very easily able to hear that they're talking about somebody set up the alarm, so somebody that wasn't supposed to be here, that wasn't an employee and that doesn't have an implant, um, touched the door. Uh, it couldn't have been a patient because the only patients that are down on this level are all, you know, knocked out. There aren't any conscious individuals down here that don't work for the group. Um, but it does not appear that the door seal has been broken, so they're pretty sure that um, nobody, you know, would be able to tell what was going on down here. Uh, you know, let's just hope this research doesn't get out. Uh, you take that hallway, I'll take the other hallway, uh, and then you hear... Um, feet clopping down that far hallway that you just came down, or that uh, you originally came down and uh, you hear another set of footprints coming, or another set of feet coming back towards the crematorium. Um, but without opening the door, you don't know if they're going to go into the room across the hall from you, or the room that you're in, or who who's going down what hallway. Okay, I'll use my action to hold my breath and form into the gaseous cloud. Okay. And I'm going to just float up to the ceiling and sort of hide there just above the door waiting for them to enter so I can sort of slip underneath and then uh, get out into that hallway. Okay. You are very easily able uh, to turn into that gaseous form, and as the door opens, you begin to float out. Uh, They're going to go ahead and make a perception check to uh, see if they can tell what's going on with that. Uh, they kind of cough and sputter and wave their hand in front of their face, but uh, they don't seem to identify that it's anything other than smoke. Uh, you notice that it was not the pyromancer that came down to check. This would be just a regular, I don't want to say orderly, but you know, just a regular individual, nobody of super note. So they step into the crematorium, look around both sides, they don't see anybody, and then uh, as you get out of there, they uh, shut the door, and you are now kind of in the hallway with them as they run down the hall to join that main hallway. I'll probably just try and hover above their head as high up as I can get, sort of spread myself out across the ceiling if that's possible. Okay, yeah, I'd say you'd be able to do that. Um, so you make it all the way to that T junction, and the door, the double doors at the other end of the hall, the alarm that you set off, are standing open. Would you head down that way and try and see what it was, or what would you like, or would you like to continue down that main hallway that you originally came down to get into the basement? I'll head straight for those double doors, sort of sticking to the ceilings as I do. Okay, as you head in towards those double doors, you see that there's a man uh, bent over this figure lying on the table. You can see that there's all sorts of magics coming off of him, and uh, he appears to be like fusing a magic item into the chest of this individual. Uh, you can see, like, I don't, I don't want to say, like, you know, typical emergency room, you know, type stuff, but you see that their uh, chest, is, the skin on their chest is cut open, and uh, their rib cage lies exposed, and there is a, a glowing gem, a large ruby, we'll call it, that they appear to be trying to affix to this person's rib cage. Uh, they're going to go ahead and make a perception check to spot you as you kind of float towards the doors. And they definitely would spot you. So uh, this individual is wearing a set of goggles. And you can tell kind of by the point on their ear 
the points on their ears that they're probably a half-elf or something of that variety. Uh, go ahead and roll me a history check to see if you know anything about who this might be. Oh, a good old six. A six. You're not sure exactly who it is. They are probably a doctor of some variety, but you are unable to determine if they are in fact Elisand, as his description has been very... Nobody really knows what he looks like. Like, they talk about him, but you're not sure that if if this is in fact Elisand or if this is uh, another doctor that may have been assisting. Um, but they do notice that there's a gaseous cloud over there, uh, over the top of the door frame there as you approached. And uh, as they look at you, uh, you can tell that they are very conflicted as to what to do. They kind of look down at their hands and look up at you and look down at their hands with the gem. And in a roar, they just release the gem and the person on the table begins spasming uh, very jerkily and uh, foams from the mouth as they, as the doctor whips off the goggles and starts stripping off the gloves, taking a very aggressive stance coming towards you. Uh, <laughs> what would you like to do? Uh, what do the doors, like, do they have, like, handles on the back that I could, like, if I close it, could I put something in between it to stop it being open from the other side? Yes, they would have handles on that side. Okay, I'll drop my gaseous form landing on the stairs and I'll close the doors. Okay, as you go to slam them shut, go ahead and give me a dexterity saving throw as this bolt of raw energy comes streaking towards you. Alright. Yeah, 30. <laughs> a 30, awesome. He shoots that disintegration spell at you and you are able to jump uh, over to the side and get out of the way as it slams into those double doors uh, behind you, and it would uh, have some sort of strange uh, barrier on it, so the spell could not exit the room. Uh, you are very easily able to get out of the way of that, and you notice around the room, go ahead and give me a quick perception check as um, this mage begins to uh, advance upon you. 24. Alright, you see around this room there are uh, Two other sets of doors. One appears to be a smaller, narrow doorway. Uh, The other one appears to be an identical set of double doors on the other side. Other than that, there's the patient that is flopping around, foaming from the mouth with that strange magical item embedded in their chest. Um, And then the doctor with the uh, that is shooting that magic at you. So go ahead and we will re-roll initiative or we will roll initiative and uh, get started. Uh, the Archmage rolled an 18. Well, technically, he's not an Archmage. Those are just the spells that I'm using for him. So, um, all right, then we will go ahead and get started. So it will go uh, the Mage and then you. So the Mage, noticing that you dodged that first effect, goes ahead and uh, flames burst up around his body and uh, kind of shield him from any effects. He appears to be getting ready to throw something fairly powerful, uh, but for now he just envelops this fiery energy around himself. Uh, We then move on to you, Bree. Alright, I would then use my action to tie the doors shut, blocking myself off from the pyromancer and the orderly in the hallway beyond. 
Okay, you uh, are able to very easily tie that knot on there, and you're fairly certain that it will hold from the outside as long as it doesn't get shot with another disintegration blast. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'll then use my bonus action to turn around and just give an eye towards this uh, mage, and I'm going to use my eye... Uh, what is it? So uh, the insightful fighting on him. So as a bonus action, I can decipher the tactics of others uh, that are not incapacitated. So I make a wisdom insight check and he makes a deception check. And whoever succeeds, or if I succeed, I can use my sneak attack against him even if I don't have advantage. Okay. <laughs> that was a two. <laughs> okay. I got, I got 27. So, yeah. Close. Close margin there. <laughs> I also, because I'm level 20, get an additional 3d6 to my sneak attack against uh, him while I'm while I've got this uh, insightful fighting activated. So my sneak attack is now 13d6. Goodness gracious! I don't even think I have that many d6 without having to dig in my big tackle box of dice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got a dice roller up. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Uh, uh, that'll end my turn. Okay, uh, he sees that you are kind of taking his measure, and to throw you off, uh, in the blink of an eye, you're not sure exactly what happened, um, but we're going to see, he cast time stop, meta terms, so we're going to see um, what all, how many turns this guy gets. Alright, he gets three, uh, no, 1d4 plus one, so he gets four turns in a row. So in the blink of an eye... Uh, you see, not only does he have that fiery shield around him, but all of a sudden, in each hand, he appears to be holding... One hand is holding a magical dagger of some variety, the other one seems to be holding a wand. And around his body, not only is there a flaming shield, but he also appears to have stone-looking skin. Uh, His skin looks like it's completely, um, you know, covered in granite or something along those lines. Um... And then that is the end of his total turn. All right. I then will use my act. I'll use my movement to get towards him. How far away would he be from me at this point? Not very far. This whole room is maybe forty feet by fifty feet, so about twenty, I'd say, if he's standing in the middle. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, from about twenty feet away, if I can, just toss a dagger towards him. Okay. Yeah. Alright, I will roll that attack roll. Oh, that's pretty good. That's going to be a 29 to hit. Yes, 29 very much hits. Alright, so I do two points on my dagger, and then my sneak attack deals. And is your dagger magical? It is not, no. Okay. So that's uh, 56 points of piercing damage. Wow! Okay. On the dagger, yes. <laughs> and then as my bonus action, I am just going to... Or maybe I'll just try and say something to him. I'll uh, sort of look to him and be like, Tell me, where is Elisand? And I'll just sort of look at him. Okay, uh, he replies back, he says... Who do you think you're talking to? And he shoots off a blast of energy from that wand that he had in his hand. I need a dexterity saving throw from you, my friend. 
Oh, uh, the worst. <laughs> a 13. Oh, no. All right, you are going to take... Oh, my God, okay. More than half of these are sixes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Luckily, I've got evasion. Yeah. So I can... 42 points, so uh, 21 points, then, of lightning damage as this bolt oh. of force strikes you square in the chest. He then backs off about 20 feet, uh, and he appears to be going to the back wall where you notice an open cabinet, or a cabinet that he is approaching. Hmm. I would uh, hold Moriarty and turn him to face me, and I'd just say to him, Well, I was hoping to ask some questions, but I guess we'll have to do that after he's dead. And then I'll turn Moriarty back to face him, and then I'm just going to run over towards him. I only have 30 feet, but I also have uh, cunning actions so I can... Uh, dash, I believe. Yes. Yep. I will cunning action dash the rest of the way, and I'm going to draw my magical plus two rapier, and I'm going to stab him. Oh, nice. And before I even roll this, I'm going to use my level 20 rogue ability turn... Oh, wait, no, I can't do that yet. I need to actually miss. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, that probably doesn't miss. Uh, With a 22 to hit. 22 actually will hit. Okay, perfect. I will then deal. Oh, pretty good. Uh, 55 points of piercing damage. Wow. I'm within five feet of now. Yes, and uh, because you're within five feet, you take seven points of fire damage. Um, But he is definitely not enjoying what just happened to him. All right. Uh, We then move on to his turn. He, uh, upon taking that, he reaches back into the cabinet and you see he grabs a very large book, and he says, if you truly want to face me, and you truly want to, er, no, I don't want to give away his whole plan. If you want, yeah, if you want to know more about what is going on here, come seek me in the tangle. And as he grabs hold of this book, you see a shimmer around you, and he disappears into the ether. Go ahead and uh, make a, uh, Arcana check um, to figure out uh, one what just happened and uh, two kind of where he ended up at. All right. Uh, I probably failed with a thirteen, but I'm going to use my stroke of luck, level twenty rogue ability, to turn a missed attack, saving throw, or ability check into a natural twenty. Okay, awesome. I was hoping you would do something like that. So you uh, learn that he has retreated to a tower. Moriarty is able to tell that this uh, teleport spell that he used leads back to the tower within the tangle, um, in the center of it. There is rumored to be a powerful wizard that lives there, and reportedly a tunnel that leads down into a shrine to Vecna beneath it. Oh. Uh, So you know that that is where he has retreated to, and you notice that the book that he had uh, listed across the top of the book was Bio-Arcane Items, was uh, scrawled across the book. So you are able then to uh, find the back double doors to this building unlocked, and as you open them, uh, you see that there is a kind of a back tunnel, I guess, or a ramp that leads up to where that back door is to the building. You are able to escape, and uh, this is where we will go ahead and end. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Chaos Plan. We really hope that you enjoyed it, and since we are doing group games now, we are going to very quickly start getting episodes out there on a regular basis. If you want to take part, please visit Patreon, donate the $2 a month, and you can get in on this guaranteed. We already have the next batch of players getting ready to go for the next game, and we're already looking at the different DMs that are going to be taking part. Both Braden and Mike have committed to doing games so far. So if you want to get in on that action, please just join our Patreon. Thank you, and we hope to see you next game.